Hey everyone, you're listening to the official podcast of The Calling, the young adults group of Glenwood Community Church. These podcasts are an anchor for us to meditate on and serve as our thought of the week for our Tuesday night gatherings over Zoom. While we shelter in place, we await the day that we'll all be able to gather once again as a community. Until then, we keep our eyes focused on God and the story He is revealing to the world. We're so glad you've tuned in with us today. We're going to go ahead and get started. We are here joined for first time ever a kind of three-way conversation between myself, Jamie Lawson, and John Hardy. Uh, and so, what's up, guys? How y'all doing? Doing all right. It's a lovely Sunday afternoon so far. Yeah. John, what about you? Yes, doing well. Uh, expected rain this weekend, and it's ended up being a lot nicer than anticipated, so I enjoyed it. Totally. Yeah. I'd say there's nothing I'd rather be doing than having a conversation with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's great wonderful well we're here to talk this week uh about what have you been noticing about the church uh and just kind of like how we're responding to this crisis so i've got a couple of different questions that we can work through together and we can think about what is church life going to be like after this how should we be responding what should we be doing as faithful members to our congregation so I guess I'll just start off with this question. What have you noticed about people during the crisis and how are they responding uh, and how's the church responding? I was thinking the other day about uh, there seems to be two different sections of how people are responding. There was like the first two to three weeks and then there was post uh, two to three weeks. Like once the reality of being at home for a long time settled in, I, I felt like I observed both changes in people and changes in myself. Um, and it reminds me a lot of the children of Israel, right? I was reading in that of the complaining, the uh, talking about history, historical things, things in the past as if they were different, right? You, you're making up stuff. I um, mean, you're just wanting to move on to the next thing without learning from the spot that you're in. I think that's what I've noticed about people, particularly recently, is just we're impatient now and we want to move on, but we don't want to do it with wisdom um and we want to do it according to how we want to do it mm, yeah totally mm-hmm. yeah john what about you yeah i would agree i think it was interesting because i think at the start um it seemed like there was kind of everyone was on everyone was on board with um the measures being taken i think as time has gone on it was interesting even though nothing changed as far as necessarily rules like even just seeing the the amount of people on the roadway, like it went from the first two weeks, like there was like nobody and I could walk down the road, you know, go on a walk. And then as it went down, like suddenly like everything looks like pretty much normal. So it's like without even anything being said, people have kind of gotten to the point where they're like, all right, we're done with this. And uh, they're just trying to kind of go back to life as, um, life as normal. But um, yeah, there almost like has been kind of different segments of time um, with the situation. And then as far as, um, you know, pe- people's different responses. Uh, it's fascinating to me how it's one global thing, but then how it has impacted people is so different. Um, so for the small business person, it's much different than the person who can work from home um, and, and the different impact that has. Um, I mean, for me, myself, it's like, uh, you know, other than not having to commute to work and wear sweatpants all day, like, 
and then not be able to see people uh, for the, you know, for the most part, my life has been pretty much unchanged. Um, but then, you know, obviously that's not the case for uh, so many other people. So it's, it's very vast in the impact it's had on people. Right. Yeah. It's, it's been kind of all over the place. What I've, I've noticed is that the people who it hasn't really affected their day-to-day lives, they don't really, you know, they, they have maybe essential jobs according to what the government says and their place of work isn't shut down. They're still commuting every day. They're still kind of going through their routine. Uh, maybe things are a little bit different, but uh, that life hasn't changed so much. But then on the other side of things, you see that people have been like laid off and uh, they're having to work from home and figuring parenting out with also working at the same time. And man, it's, it's just, it's, it's been nuts. Uh, but what are your perceptions, I think, on the church's response to this whole thing? You know, have, you know, is this like right or wrong? You think we're doing the best we can do? What do you think about that? Like, It's a really good question. And I feel like it, the answer to, to me is similar to how people have responded. And people are responding differently. I think different segments of the church, or at least um, churches, are responding differently. Um, and there are a lot of different ways to respond. I, I, I guess I have been appreciative of churches that are taking a patient route, um, both with response to their community and response to the community at large. Um, I've, I have been blessed by a lot of um, believers and church response that are encouraging people to take time when they're at home to think through some different things, to um, look at your habits, to uh, pursue Jesus in a way that's a little bit different. But I also have seen um, some that are believers and representing the church at the forefront of not just a protest, but I think disrespectful protest of um, really wanting to, um, instead of look out for their neighbor, they want to look out for themselves. And I think that is coming more to the forefront now. So it's been across the spectrum because we're all different. You know, I I think we're just people, people are different. Um, And I think the responses have been similarly different. Mm. Mm. yeah it's it's been all over the place really so yeah yeah and i think it's cool i mean as far as the you know global or national church it is quite you know vast in the different approaches but uh, like at least for glenwood i think it's been really cool to see how they really didn't even skip a beat with just people like we're going to transition to this new form of you know communicating a new form of being able to connect with each other um, which i thought was really um encouraging to see that how fast that took place Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, creating different outlets for people to still be able to meet, whether that's the call on Tuesdays or, you know, groups meeting via, um, video chat. Uh, it, to me, that was a really fast and cool response. You know, it, it seemed like a week or two went by, then we were just back up to kind of the new setup structure, which was really cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a really good point, John. I, I do think for uh, a lot of churches, uh, particularly ours as one of them, the response has been really quick. And the need to adapt um, has been very obvious, but the willingness to adapt, I think, for a lot of people has been, and a lot of churches, has been really encouraging, right? It's, uh, what are the tools that we have? How do we use the tools as best we can? Um, Let's not um, say that anything is a magic bullet or is going to make things be awesome, but 
how do we come together and figure out how we can continue to encourage one another in the midst of community using the tools that we have. And that, that part, I think you're right, John, has been super encouraging. It's been really cool to see how we've been still able to stay connected with one another, even though it's been uncomfortable or awkward, uh, you know, and, and it's not perfect. We, we, we go into this, I think the wrong thing for us to be thinking about is, is oh, this is just gonna solve all of our problems, we're just gonna have church at home, it's gonna be the same. No, it's, it's, we're, we're waiting in anticipation for that time that we can gather, that it is safe, that we are able to honor our, our neighbors and uh, to watch out for their well-being. Uh, if that's the case. But uh, something that I found quite interesting is, is looking about what's going on upstate and kind of the Seattle area and seeing, you know, there's a lot of people who are really upset with the governor about, about this whole thing. And, uh, and for us too, like we're, we're causing, we're having to ask the question, is the church necessary? Like should Christians follow the law on this one? What do you guys think about that? I have very strong opinions about this. <laughs> I, have, I have strong opinions about everything, but yeah. I do have strong opinions about this. And uh, I take my cues from the, the New Testament writers, particularly the Apostle Paul, but also even stories that we see in the book of Acts. And Paul in particular reminded us to be subject to our governing authorities. And he gave exceptions, and the exceptions are that I will always preach Jesus. So if you tell me not to preach Jesus, well, I apologize, I guess, but I will continue to preach Jesus. But they didn't do it in a way that was like, um, like a big protest, right? It was, I understand that if I preach Jesus, I'll get arrested. And if I get arrested, I'm going to preach Jesus in prison, and I'm going to preach Jesus to the prisoners. But otherwise, we need to, whether we like it or not, whether we agree or not, we still are subject to our, the governing authorities and we have to be in submission. And I think that is like it's a biblical precedent and I think a command as well. And there's not really an out. Now, in our particular government, there are safe, legal ways to make your voice known. Are we allowed to disagree? Uh, absolutely, we're allowed to disagree, but we're not allowed to disobey unless it comes to preaching Jesus or hurting someone. Like, that's it. Those are the outs. Mm -hmm. So do I want out of my house? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes. But I also have to be subject to what the, the governor who's trying his best. I mean, I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy. And I think he's trying his best to uh, take care of people without um, hurting the ones that are vulnerable. And I think as a believer, then I am in subject to what he has declared to be. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's funny because there's almost like a two, two sided piece to it. So and like from one standpoint from just a, like an American citizen standpoint. Like I can get how people can be frustrated by if they look at the constitution and they feel like some of the measures that have been put in place are um, an overstep of power and, you know, being upset and frustrated about that. Like I, I get that emotion, but then it's, you know, how is the response? How do you respond to that? You know, and like Jamie was saying, like we have the, yeah. you know, the ability and the privilege and the freedom to be able to voice our concern to, 
um, vote, you know, to, to, you know, you know, say what kind of what we're, you know, how we feel and vote accordingly. Um, but we do that in a way that is still honoring those in authority, not um, talking bad about them, not trying to create um, havoc um, or, you know, create a scene. Um, but then on the, on the flip side, you know, first we're a citizen, you know, of, of God kingdom, his kingdom first. So, you know, taking that into consideration of what, how, as Jamie's saying, how he talks about authority and, and government and how, how do we approach that piece to it? So um, I think it's often easy to get so focused on the American citizen part that we forget the, you know, mm. also being subject to Christ first and what he's taught us. Um, and it's a hard balancing act um, to, um, you know, make those two, two yeah. kind of two work together. But um, I think yeah. definitely a kingdom of, of, of God first. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think we've kind of fallen to the idol of personal freedom as well, mm -hmm. that somehow that has become the most important thing that even for me as a believer, that my personal freedom, it goes above everything else. But I, I find that to be not the case in the New Testament, right? Where Paul will say, I give up my rights, mm -hmm. um, where we see Jesus sacrificing himself for the sake of the, the vulnerable. We don't ask the vulnerable to sacrifice for me so that I can go get a haircut. I sacrifice myself for the sake of the vulnerable. That's the way of Jesus. Right. And as much as I want to rail about uh, my own personal freedoms, that it, it has to take a back seat because yeah. I don't think that is in line with the kingdom of Jesus. Yeah, totally. We've, we've mm -hmm. really taken for granted the definition of, of what that means in our, our country. Uh, the definition of freedom is, is just, oh, I can, like, free to do whatever I want. Well, well no, not really. And I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, Paul is, is clearly saying here in, in Romans 13, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Uh, there is no authority except that which God has established. So if you're rebelling against this thing that God's put in place here, it's, it's arrogance against God. Uh, it's arrogance and saying that, yeah, like, you know, I think that I, I know what's better and what's, what's best for me. Now, clearly here, um, it's not covering the fact that, well, is the government, like what you were saying, Jamie, if the government is preventing us from, you know, talking about Jesus, like, yeah, then definitely there's, there's some action to be taken there in, in regards to what we can do. Uh, but honestly, this, this act of, of defying government at all uh, might expose something about what we believe and our hearts and uh, what we think is best. Oh man, I think that's a really good point. I think it exposes a ton yeah. <laughs> about us, right? The things yeah. that we just start to rail against and complain against, I think it exposes more about us than about the ones that we are trying to quote unquote expose. Yeah. Um, it really shows what yeah. is in our heart and it's not humility. Yeah. Totally. Even though we like mask it as humility sometimes, like yeah. it's kind of the, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm being really careful and, you know, I'm just kind of like kind of maybe bend the rules here. It, it, it's really like, no, you, we have to participate in this. Like this is, this is something that not just the government wants us to do. It's something that God wants us to honor, honor as well. So it's, uh, yeah, it can be difficult. I think there's even a piece that um, we also have to model not just for those that are believers, but for our culture of what it looks like to, to live peacefully in a society and totally. in a culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And part of that modeling is that, you know, we're, we're on board here. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to, we're going to do our part. 
we are going to look out for the needs of other people. We're going to submit to our governing authorities. Um, we may, if we disagree, take a very legal action to voice our opinion because that is legal and we're allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that through all of it, people still are looking at us, right? We need yeah. to, we need to model. They're, they're just looking for a reason to point fingers at a believer or the church and say um, that we're the problem and not the solution to what's broken in culture. Sure. Totally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I keep thinking about that one pastor in what was like Florida or something down there. And he's like, I'm still going to have church, whatever. And then him and his congregation ended up getting the coronavirus. So <laughs> I was like, Oh, yikes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's not yeah. going to help. I, mean, so. I keep telling, I, I keep telling my kids that the virus doesn't care what you believe. It just wants a body to live in. So have whatever opinion you want. The virus doesn't care if you get it, if you get it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Eric, and like you'd mentioned, um, you know, is the church essential? Um, or as the, you know, that's how the least state would say, you know, mm -hmm. would define it. Um, mm -hmm. for, you know, kind of what I go to is not necessarily that it's not essential because obviously for Christians, the church is essential. Yes. Um, but more of how are we, um, conducting ourselves you know are we loving the body if we're together and then what if you know the virus were to hit us so you know thinking more out in love than necessarily you know essential i would say mm -hmm. um and then you know and then how do we you know still um communicate and work as a church even if we're not able to meet in person but i think the thing in love to do is to you know obviously not to mm -hmm. congregate because um obviously that puts people at risk and then also that's not a good testimony for christ either Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, that forces us, like what you were saying, to be essentially a little bit more creative. It allows us to challenge the status quo on, on what we think church is and how do we do it. And uh, maybe tells us something about like, wow, no, I actually, I do need community. I do need to be intentional about that, even still, if I am not able to gather. Uh, so yeah. last question I have for you guys is, uh, let's talk about the church moving forward. Uh, don't really know what the summer looks like. You know, I can hope the next phase will move forward for us so we can actually maybe have very tiny gatherings and, you know, actual face-to-face -face interaction with people. Uh, but, but what do you think that's going to look like? Not just for Glenwood, but, you know, church capital C, you know, big church, uh, in indefinite, the entire church moving forward. Um, aside from just like the sanitary issues that we'll have, what do you think the church will need to focus on and pivot towards in the next couple of months as uh, they start to lift things? We'll definitely have to figure out new ways to be hands and feet, definitely, because uh, the, <laughs> methods that we, the methods that we normally, you know, have yeah. are yeah. very different. Um, oh. So, I mean, I know for like me personally, like it's easy for me to become socially lazy and just be like, Oh, I'm in my little bubble. I'm an introvert. And I'm like, this is okay. But then I know, like, I know that's not helpful. Um, so then it's you know, really forcing myself to, um, you know, make that extra whatever call or whatever it is, make that extra reach out because it's not like it's coming to me um, because we're not able to meet in person. When you said hands and feet there, I thought you were going to make a pun about like, oh, like we're always being the hands and feet of Christ, but now we can't do handshakes or something because, you know, the germs will spread. <laughs> oh, I missed that, that one. That's, that's, why started, started, perfect. That's, that's why I started laughing. So we I, need some, we need some hand sanitizer there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just thought that you were mocking John's answer. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Now I sound like an insensitive jerk, you know? Because <laughs> oh, I started laughing and then you guys were like, oh, what's going on? And I was like, oh, wait for it. Wait for it. Okay. So yeah, let the world yeah, know. I'm glad we got that squared away. That's yeah, good. Totally. All right. So I'm going to go back. I'm going to try to put the train back on the rails. Mm-hmm. Um, I, a couple of things. What, I mean, obviously, I think our discussion is it's not exhaustive. We don't know in a lot of ways. And I don't think we need to pretend that we do mm-hmm. have all the answers. Um, I think we're because we're figuring them out as we go. But I think something that will be helpful moving forward um, is decentralizing um, the structure of what church looks like. And what I mean by that is tighter relationships in smaller communities that are nimble, right? Where it's the, the big ship is kind of docked, at, so to speak, for now. And we got to figure out how to deploy, um, you know, a few squads off of the ship. Um, and I think re- like tight um, dis- deep discipleship relationships is the way moving forward because I think those are things that in spite of pandemic, in spite of, even if the government were to be like, okay, being a Christian is illegal. Um, if we were like big meetings are always going to be illegal, whatever, anything that's decentralized where leadership is spread and where we are deeply connected to smaller groups of people, smaller communities that are intentionally discipling one another. Um, I think that's, that's able to survive a lot of things, including a pandemic. In a lot of ways that would be kind of reverting back to the original church. I mean, small, you know, if that were the, the model, you know, small home churches, um, smaller groups meeting. Um, and if, if the, the government does open or our freedom to leave the house does open up in phases. Likely we would have to start with the, cause I mean, who if, if they eventually say that we can't meet until there's a vaccine, who knows how long that would be for. Um, so then that would you know require, you know, smaller groups to meet and, and that to become the, the new norm, at least for a while. Or like that becomes the, even the central focus, right? Where it's the central focus is kind of these smaller groups, but that there still is an oversight in, in a larger group, right? So mm-hmm. there are things that you can do in a big group that you can't do in a small group. I mean, that's, that's, let's be honest about that at least, right? I mean, celebrating and having a big party is awesome. A big worship service, I love it. And it, that's really difficult to do when I've got eight people in my living room. You can do a form of that, but you can't do all of it. Um, mm-hmm. it's re- I really love being connected to a much larger purpose and so knowing that there's, you know, 50 other groups that are doing the same thing, um, that, that actually kind of stirs my heart up a bit. But then I get the depth of relationship in a small group that I don't get in a large group. And I, man, I think the way forward, we just have to embrace some of those things, some of those realities. And um, part of embracing that is embracing that we're going to have to hopefully go to deep places in, interpersonally, right? Mm-hmm. A small group, you can't hide. Or I check out and maybe there's a bit of a winnowing that happens in the church as difficult as that, that would be. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are like, fine, I'm out. And, and they go. And I think that's mm. tragic. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think long-term disciples that make disciples has always been the way. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is some sort of deep intentionality that we have where we're together and where discipleship is, is done in one-on-one or in a smaller group of people. Uh, there is just something about that connection that we have with one another that makes it intimate, deep, allows us to challenge one another, allows us to equip one another and just encourage one another, I think in ways that we can't really do when we're just this one massive sort of, you know, contingent body. And, and that's a great mm-hmm. thing. I think Glenwood has a lot of great resources and uh, I think lots of, lots of churches definitely do, but I, I think it's really gone to shown us that we can't do Christianity on our own. We, we need a, a group of people in order to get us there. And that's not a hundred people that are around us when I go there on a Sunday morning. It's the small community that I'm involved in, which pushes me towards Jesus more. Yeah. Do you foresee that this being a cultural shift as far as the church goes in, in small group, you looking ahead past, even once things we are able to uh, conduct as, as normal. Oh man. That's a really good question. John. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I, like I have two thoughts. Like one is definitely it's the children of Israel syndrome where as soon as they open up, I think people are gonna be like, let's just go back. Let's go back, go back to Egypt. And I don't want to mm. equate the church before with Egypt. I mean, that was probably a terrible, <laughs> a terrible analogy. That ain't right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, but the desire to go back um, is really strong. It's really powerful. Mm. And it's, let's just return to what we've been doing. And I'll be honest, there's been a lot about being at home that has been super uncomfortable. Mm. I haven't enjoyed a lot of it. Um, I, I've been okay work-wise and economically and those things. And I'm really grateful for that, but I've been alone with the same people and that raises a lot of sin, right? It becomes apparent and we have to learn to deal with that and face that. And I'm ready to get out of my house. I'm ready to go to somebody else's house. I'm ready to meet again and all of those things, but it, it, it should be still with the idea of moving forward um, and not moving, not backward, right? Taking the things that we knew were valuable from before, but putting them in a new reality. And the new reality, I don't think we just know quite yet. Mm-hmm. We still don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. But I know discipleship always works despite time and place. It always works. And mm-hmm. so I think embracing that. And I think this the slow uh, man i just have been just feeling a lot like slower is better in almost everything in my life mm-hmm. in the last two months mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so i ho- i hope that we we move forward more slowly slowly and deliberately yeah mm-hmm. totally i was just reading a book a while ago i don't know if it was necessarily aimed at growth within a church uh, i think it might have been patrick lencioni's book on organizational communication Uh, But just he's like in any group of people that he was talking about, uh, totally paraphrasing this, but the way to speed up is to actually slow down. Uh, So it allows us to really look at like, why are we doing what we're doing? And uh, let's Mm -hmm. let's really see areas where we can be stretched. And uh, I think just intentionally focus on rather than trying to do a million different things at once, because with the temptation to go back to the way things were and normality, uh, but unfortunately, we'll find that that might not be the case. 
Well, and I think looking at them through the lens of planning for, like, could what we're planning, the way that we are building, could this survive multiple types of upheaval? Right? I don't think we planned for that in the way that church was built, right? It was, this, this works when things are going well, but not as much when things aren't going well. And I think moving forward, we at least have to consider whether our new plans um, can survive something else like this, or do we have something in place that could, are we able to make a transition can, without just like everything feeling like it was tipped upside down, right. which is what it felt like this time, right? It was like we dumped the toys out and we're like, ah, pick them up, put them back <laughs> somehow different. And yeah. we did our best. And I think it worked well. I think we've, frankly done an admirable job as best as we can yeah. um, but I think we have now the advantage of being able to have a little foresight mm-hmm. 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 you know it's not the first time the church has gone through challenging times throughout church history um, and oftentimes um, it, it's through the challenging times that a lot of good growth comes uh, out of it a lot of the times it's kind of a good shakeup and and because some I think status quo can be can definitely create laziness and can create bad habits. Um, so I think oftentimes something difficult can be really helpful um, for the church and church body. Totally. Well, guys, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. Uh, it's been wonderful to hear your insights and your thoughts. And I, I hope this really goes, I think, a positive direction moving towards for our conversations together on Tuesday night. Yeah, I hope so. I hope it just gives people a chance to think. I hope we didn't come across like we know answers and like no one knows. We're all figuring yeah. it out together. But I, man, I think it'd be awesome if as a community, we pushed into the questions and figure out what it looks like to move forward in a way that's healthy. How can you be part of the change as young adult community? How, how can we be a part of this. Like you're an essential part of the church. Church leadership can only do so much, but how can we be essential in moving forward the mission and values, not just Glenwood, uh, but the church of Jesus Christ. So things to think about this week is that uh, how can we be part of the church moving forward? Uh, What is ministry going to look like and how can we be a part of the greater change that will take place in, in our lives and the lives of those who serve? The music you hear in this podcast was produced by our friend Kalen McKinley. We're thankful for his gifts and talents as he lends them to us during this time. We'll see you guys next week, but until then, stay home, stay healthy, and stay safe.